0: Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, look, big starts with something small. So Bible, so true. Jesus often communicated with contrasts. You know, he would... He would take things and, and he would really kind of shock us into reality, especially those who were listening to him at the time. Um, he was certainly something they were not used to. He astounded them with his teaching, with the authority, with the clarity, with the anointing. He wanted to show us today the stark reality of an earthly life compared to a spiritual or a kingdom life. He's showing us the difference over and over again, and and it's good for us to see it. One such example was the mustard seed. remember his mustard seed analogy? He showed us that something useful and profitable, as mustard uh, would have been, came from such a ridiculously small seed. You ever seen a a mustard seed? Very, very small. And uh, our minds have a very difficult time getting used to this truth, that something big often comes from something small. And the Old Testament gives us a myriad of examples, but one that I think of that's an excellent example is, of course, David, the boy, and the story with Goliath. That here, such a small boy, no one would think that he could uh, go up against a nine-foot giant and succeed. That there was not a single warrior among the thousands of Israel's great warriors that would go and face Goliath. But David did. And we look at that story, and what we're supposed to get from it is that here is a small boy with confidence that comes from God was able to defeat such a fearful warrior with just a few small stones. David was small, but he had a big destiny waiting to come forth in its proper time. And of course, we've read the story. Of course, David and Goliath became a legend for David for generations, and certainly throughout his life. But it's something that we were supposed to see. We're supposed to get over and over and over again. But we, we quickly forget it, don't we? We think we need an 88 you know, millimeter cannon to be able to take on the things of this life when all we need is in faith a few small stones. We just need something that's from the heart of God that we can uh, launch at the enemy and let God get behind it and do something awesome. This dynamic works for the same, and works the same for so many things in life today. We see it in nature, as given to us with the mustard seed, as given to us with so many things, starting with eggs, starting, you know, looking at, of course, small babies, and seeing how uh, uh, you know, tender and, and vulnerable they are, and yet, to grow into something incredibly powerful. You know, I've got a cousin. You, you know, you've heard me talk about Aaron, and you can see him on TV from time to time. Um, He's seven foot tall. And when you stand next to a guy that big, it just makes you feel very, very small. But the thing about it is, is that he, he, like all of us, started out a little tiny baby. And, uh, of course, he was probably a little bit longer than most babies, I'm sure. But he did begin small. And so it works. We see it over and over again. Look at Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone and my, I put in there in parentheses, Jesus, in the hand of Zerubbabel. The truth is that God loves to take that which is small and make it uh, a fascination in the eyes of God to, to rebuke the, 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 the powers that be, to rebuke the mind, to rebuke the culture, the intelligence of the intelligent, the wisdom of the wise. God is able to walk through with the smallest and the most insignificant things. Here he took a man that we know, Jesus. So simply born. Was a king, but not in the world's eyes. And God was able to raise him up and and change the world, change the world as we know it. And of course people are trying to constantly change that back around. They don't want Jesus anymore, but as we sang in our song, Rise this morning, that they'll never assault his throne. They'll never remove Jesus from that throne. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever. Amen? So Jesus, he was a seed, a small thing that would affect a very big world, one man. And this is replicated in us. The moment we give our life to Jesus Christ, the moment we breathe him in. The moment we say, Jesus, would you come into my life and be my savior, the moment our mind is illumined to the truth and we're aware of who we really are in God, in Christ, confess our sins, repent, and allow that faith and that redemption to take place inside us, something very, very powerful begins. And really, we are also seeds ready to germinate ready to grow, and ready to bear fruit. That's us. Something big starts with something small. A little bit of faith inside us, a little bit of something. Matter of fact, I've told you this before and I'll tell you again. The more insignificant you feel, the more you're qualified for God to do something great through you. So if you walked in today and just said, you know, man, I don't feel very special. I don't feel very big in God. I just say, watch out. Because God, you are the one that God wants to use. Because God is into those contrasts. God loves to take that which is small and often weak and, again, not praise in the world's eyes and go on to do something incredibly big. Not necessarily something that will end up on the front cover of the New York Times or you see it on CNN or Fox News or you may not see it in any magazine or any... any you may, probably, probably none of us will have a movie made after us But when we get to heaven, the angels will rejoice. Our deeds will be announced. And matter of fact, we will see things that we never even knew took place. Isn't that amazing? People will probably walk up to us and say, thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for praying. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for saying no. Thank you. I'm here because of your faithfulness. That's going to be amazing. So in in light of this verse, when we think of this this smallness becoming big, it says don't despise that, and that's an interesting word because really it could also be uh, uh, interpreted as don't ignore this. The despise wouldn't be, you know, none of us would probably really despise what's in the word of God, but we might ignore it. We might ignore it, and I think we do that. I think when we we think in terms of, of this dynamic of God taking something small and insignificant in our life, we ignore that. We, we think, no, 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 no. Nothing's going to happen until something big happens. And then big will beget big. Mm-mm. Not the way it works. Starts with something small. And we don't want to ignore that. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Do not despise the little bit that God places in your heart or that need To start with something small. Whoever can be trusted, in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says this Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And really, what Jesus was was tapping into once again is that he's looking for that faithfulness, he's looking for that faith. To be, get connected with those things that nobody else would honor, no one else would would go after. I was just talking to a gentleman yesterday who is in an industry where he's around a lot of Christians, and he said, "You know," and he said, "You know, Pastor David, what's amazing to me?" He said, "We get a lot of people that come through our ministry, and they're doing different things." And he was talking about success, and he said, "It's amazing to me the ones that really go on to do really well." are the ones who focus on, on just being faithful in the little things. He said a lot of them come in with a flash, with a bang, and a lot of talk, and a lot of you know pomp and circumstances, a lot of talk, and, and they look good, smell good, and, and the world initially wants to respond to that. He said, but what I have found is over the years that ones that are still around, and the ones who are still making an impact in the world, the ones that are really stacking things where it counts, are the ones who... Do things just faithfully, one step at a time. You know, if we walked in and, and, and we lined up a bunch of people based on the way, I mean, we, we, we chose them from every kind of walk of life and, and we just used our human eyes to select, we would probably choose the most beautiful, the biggest, the strongest, the most intelligent, the ones who came from the, the, the best backgrounds and those who had, you know, their degrees all those alphabet soup behind their name. We would probably select all that. And then there would be that little David that none of us would choose. None of us would choose that little David. As a matter of fact, when Samuel went to select a king, did he choose David? No, he was looking, he, he was like, you got me. And he went through all the, all the young men who he thought were definitely, surely he's the one of the big sons And God said, You haven't seen him yet. And here comes this little scrapper. I love scrappers in the kingdom. Ruddy, not, you know, not something any of us would choose right off the bat. But God says, No, I want him because what he does when nobody's watching is what's important to me. It's those small things. Those little times, those little choices. Son, go out into the field, and I don't want to see you for two weeks. Those sheep need to grow, they need to be fed. Don't need you around here. What if it, I don't want to hear anything. Just go. David did it faithfully. and He made use of it, didn't he? Pulled out his his lyre, his harp. Played some songs. Came up with some cool chords, I'm sure. Wrote Wrote his psalms. Had a lot of time on his hands. And what did he use it for? To connect with God. Because something small starts with something big. Or rather, no, sorry. See, I was checking to see if you're listening. And so you all said, no, we reject that in the name of Jesus. That's good. You guys are so awesome. No, <laughs> something big starts with something small. Amen? Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Get me, get me straight here. So God starts with the small and he builds even when it comes to character and faithfulness. We're turning a corner here now, okay? What I'm trying to do is show you some biblical principles and how it it flows into every area of our life. This paradigm or this pattern that I'm sharing with you is also seen in in our walk with God. We don't have to be big in man's eyes to do something great. As a matter of fact, the less it is about us, the better, as I shared with you. You know, take, for instance, our small groups. We've got small groups here today, and that's what we're celebrating. And, 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 and it's, it's so true even there. Because, you know, what we want to do is we want to think in terms that, you know, it, only good things happen when it's something big going on. And so we become big chasers. We want to find the big, because that's where only the good things happen. You know, and that's not true. And what we find is that often some of the greatest things can happen where two or three are gathered in his name. Those are the times when things are being shaken. And because you can have a lot of people together and not a one of them disagree or or, or agree on one thing. Waste of time. Waste of time. Just a bunch of people taking up oxygen. Because without agreement, they become the people of Babylon who built the ziggurat, to build the, the tower. It was just confusion, trying to do something that God did not want done. And God said, you are wasting your time, but it's so big. It's so awesome, and we're going up to heaven with it. He said, nope. And he scattered them. Well, actually, that's, that's agreement in a different perspective, actually. So the early church, they met from house to house. But I I understand, you know, culturally, they did that mostly out of necessity because they were under persecution. They had to do things, you know, but they— I mean, they had to do things under the table so that they could exist. Very much like what's taking place in China today, where the church is almost completely underground, the non-state church. And so, yes, they had to do that out of necessity, and you could point to that. But you know, sometimes what we find is God uses our circumstances to channel us into the things that we really need. And so he allowed the persecution to take place to do what? To help the church find its identity. And to say, look, I don't want to just create this whole temple thing all over again. I don't want to just create just the people that never quite get what they're supposed to do. What I want you to do is meet from house to house. I want you to get soul to t- soul, people to people, you know, eye to eye, and I want you to change the world that way. And I want to show you Even further, why this is so true, and why you need something small in your life so that you can build something big. Why you need to be a part of a small group, to be a part of something small so that God can do something big. All right, let's go through these. Number one, I need a spiritual family. See, if we're the body of Christ, then it makes a lot of sense that health and purpose are linked at every level. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I mean, there's so much in there. But folks, we need a spiritual family. And you've heard me say this before. You know, on this planet, family was what God created. God created family, but it's so kind of imperfect and broken isn't it and so a lot of times our idea and definition of family comes from that and so we're a little afraid of it because it wasn't perfect maybe we had a dad that walked out on us and maybe we had a divorce in our family as as i experienced maybe you had some things that happened in your life that really just kind of twisted your idea of family and so you don't really value it matter of fact you just kind of like you know i'd rather just come and go and float because that's the way life is but that's not god's heart just because we didn't get a great experience in it doesn't mean that that's what God still wants. I mean that's still what God wants to do. God knows we need family. And in the church we can have that. As a matter of fact, that's what Ephesians is telling me, is that I've been given a purpose. I am a, I'm a puzzle piece that makes no sense until it's put into the puzzle. Until it finds its place, does then you, can you stand away and say, "Oh, that completes the picture." We are all puzzle pieces, and we make no sense unless we're linked together. We are parts of the body of Christ. And, and see, that's Paul's analogy, which, man, I mean, it works on every level, but he says, look, you, you know, you're a finger, you're a toe, you're this, you're that, you're an organ, you're, you're this, and, and guess what? They don't stand alone unless you're trying to make a Frankenstein you know, and you know, a lot of churches end up being that Frankenstein. Oh, you know, just going through life, trying to figure out what they're going to be and do, and they're brain dead. But when the pieces of the body, and there's life, and, there's, and, and, and you're, you're supposed to be there, and it's organic, and it grows, it starts with something small. It grows into something big, inside us, outside us. We need family, folks. And I'm, I'm going to step on a few toes here. You know, Andrew and I went over this, and I don't want to be negative. I never want to be negative. But, you know, a part of change is, is an equal balance of affirmation and also pointing out where we need to grow. You know, with my children, I want to praise them, but I also want to point out the areas, you know, where I like to say you're throwing interceptions. Because you got these wonderful quarterbacks, these guys, you know, they stand out there, man, I, I threw 30 touchdowns last year. And, and the guys behind them are going, yeah, and he threw 15 interceptions for the other team. So you don't say, well, look, you know, you're throwing, you're doing awesome. You're, I mean, you're scoring touchdowns. We kind of need to deal with the, the interceptions because that's where you're losing it. That's where the bottom, that's where the holes in the bottom of the bucket are. See? And so anyway, we need to deal with a little bit of that. And this whole thing of bouncing from church to church until you find where people will leave you alone or make such a fuss out of you is not healthy. It's not healthy. Neither one of those extremes is healthy. That's not family, okay? My kids don't wake up one day and look at me and say, Dad, you know, we found us a better dad. (laughs) He's bigger than you. He's smarter than you. And he wants to give us candy every single day. And matter of fact, he, his allowance is more, we're leaving. And you just kind of, whoa, the whole life, cause we all think that's ridiculous. Obviously, it's ridiculous. But you know what? In the body of Christ, we do that all the time. We look at things and we just say, oh, I'm uncomfortable out of here. I'm getting squeezed in the area of growth there in my life. Oh, I'm out of here. I don't like that. You know, I, I didn't read in the fine print in the Bible that it's, it said that all things were going, or that the body was always going to be perfect. As a matter of fact, I remember those verses that I don't like to quote, but they say iron sharpens iron. Remember that one? That it takes relationships. It takes that kind of thing. Now, granted, sometimes you got to leave. Andrew and I were talking about that last night. You know, sometimes you you just got to go. You realize that you've come to a place and there's times in in this church where people just say, you know what? It's time for me to move on. I, I just think, what this church is, what it's called to, it doesn't really fit what I am and what I'm called to do. Or maybe they just have to physically leave to get a job somewhere. I mean, you know, that's all fine. I understand that. We're not into control here. You don't sign a contract saying, I will be here forever and ever, amen, until death do us part. But sometimes you feel like that, right? Not here. I mean, that's not our heart. But you know what? If you're going to move on, why? I, I think it's important for you to look at what God is doing. Is it because... Maybe you're trying to sidestep something in your life. Maybe there's an area that God's trying to get at it, bing, 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 especially if it's a, something that keeps happening over and over again. Maybe God is trying to do something there. And at some point, you've got to stop at Relationships 101 and pass the class. You know, you can't move on to Relationships 201, 301, 401, and expect things to go well, just not. See, I think our culture has produced an unhealthy pattern here. We got to stop this grazing mentality where we're like sheep, eating there. Oh man, this is good, this is good. But oh, that looks better. Ah. Jump the fence, and on we go. Only to find out, man, it's the same grass. Might have been a little longer, a little greener, or at least it appeared. You know, it's a culture we've created. And folks, we've got to stop that. So many of us do not understand family. I'm just going to lay it out there pure and simple. We don't understand family. And if we were, if we were given a checklist and, and asked to describe family, most of us really couldn't do it. Or, or maybe we've based our ideas of family and looking at someone else's. Or the perfect family. Or it was a television show. I don't know. I mean, I grew up watching a lot of television. Explains a lot about me. <laughs> so, and I hate to read those articles, you know, that says, television ruins your brain. I'm like, okay. You know, squirrel. Anyway. Um, so, but we build our, li- our, our lives, our ideals on the Brady Bunch. We build our ideals on, on, on you know, perfect strangers. Or, we, you know, we, we build our ideals. I'll tell you what, don't build any of your ideals of, on family and what's on TV now. Don't. Please don't, because Lord have mercy. I mean, help us, enough about that, but you know what, where we're supposed to learn it is in the context of the church. Our earthly families aren't really just templates to get us started. We get a mom and a dad, but you know what, we got a a perfect dad. We got a perfect God who's not gonna let us down, and he's gonna say no to us sometimes, and sometimes we just gotta say, and we gotta live with it, because that's what dads do, you know, fathers are supposed to build, you know, and I, well, let me finish. Fathers are supposed to build courage. You know, that day that I was sitting in the parking lot, and I was down in Alabama, and I looked, and I saw the waves of heat coming up off of that field. It was 110 degrees out on that field, and I looked at my dad, and I said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go and play, practice on that field. My dad looked at me and said, son, you've put a lot of time into this. This is what you were born to do. Now get your beep out there on the field. And sometimes that's what daddies do. They don't just hold your hand and, oh, son, really? You feel bad? You don't have to go. Uh huh. No, see, you've got to have family. You've got to have people in your life that are going to keep you accountable. You've got to have the kind of stuff that's going to toughen you up in, the, in good ways. You've got to learn to stand. You got to learn to work it through. You get a dis, you know. I mean, how many of you have found a perfect friend? How many have found somebody that can do everything perfectly? I mean, there's a lot of disappointment in this room. Why? Because we will disappoint one another. Because we got these expectations of here, and this is reality. That's, That's life, people. And where it really grows, where it really gets rich, where it really gets good, is when you look at each other and say, I'm really mad at you. Yeah? Well, I'm mad at you, too. I don't like the way you think. Well, let's work it out. Because guess what? We've got to do this forever. I'm going to be in heaven. You're going to be in heaven. We've got to work this out here and right now. And we've got to use some Bible to help us do it. Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew 18. And you know what? I've got to forgive whether I feel like it or not. And I've got to forgive them whether I feel like it or not. And what all happens is understanding, our hearts grow. We understand what really love is. We understand how to stand shoulder to shoulder and live life. And and that that's the kind of stuff that changes the world now. Not this mishmash change it out whenever I feel like it kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, a lot of us were birthed in that culture, and you just gotta stop. You gotta stop. Because it's not helping you. You're not growing. You don't build a family by bouncing around from one family to the next. You stick it out through the thick and the thin, the bad and the good, the tough and the easy, the exciting and the mundane. Because that's the way it is. That's life. You can't keep it hot now all the time. And that's family. Without family, everyone everyone will do what's right in their own eyes. And that's in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. That's what happened to the people of God. When, when they lost leadership and they lost vision, they began to just do whatever was in their own eyes. And many and, and that's a lot It describes Christians today, just all doing what's right in their own eyes and never forming, never you know, coming together to do what God has called them to do. We need it. Now i got to push on it because we're going to finish early here. I need others. This is another point here. I need others. I need other souls to grow with. The church recognized the need to develop individuals. By meeting from house to house or simply in families, they were able to connect at the soul to soul level. See, as I said, it was not it a was necessity, but they discovered something beautiful, something powerful. Because when persecution came, it could bust them all up from the temple. It could tell them, hey, you go all your separate ways. And they said, fine, we'll just meet in our home where we'll meet with three or four, maybe half a dozen other Christians, and we'll pray. And it shook the house where they were praying, as it says. There were the things that they could do when they started out small. They literally turned that world upside down. It took a couple hundred years, maybe several hundred years, before Rome was defeated from the inside out. And then, of course, external factors as well. Without a soul-to-soul kingdom connection, You'll be stunted in your growth. It starts with family, but, you know, folks, we've got to have that soul-to-soul thing going on. And you know what I'm talking about. Guys, you guys think many times that you're just going to get it out of, out of your lady friend. No, your wife, she, she's awesome. But there are certain parts of the relationship with our, li- our wives that we, you know, we, we, they need to give it all. But there's a health, there's a something that we need connecting with other men to help us deal with that. Because, ladies, am I telling the truth that there are things going on in your guy you're just going, no clue. I don't know how to deal with that. You know? Go talk to the pastor. Go do whatever. But you know where it does get worked out? It's soul to soul with another brother. Am I right, Dwight? Get in that men of action group. You get with guys, and then you, you get with guys in the same group, and you just say, hey, hey. Are you dealing with that oh yeah man i've dealt with it i'm dealing with it now but i tell you i've gotten some victory and i'll tell you how we get it really cool no judgment that soul to soul level is what is called fellowship koinonia and ladies obviously you get it too because you're like hey man what am i not well the truth is i think often women are able to do it better Statistically, women keep their friends for 30, 40 years. Men, once we get out of high school, it's just like, who are you? Five minutes, thank you. <laughs> Poor George, man, he was sent to the, to the gallows. All right. Number three, number three, I need a small place to grow. Now, sociologists have confirmed the need for people to connect in groups as small as three and as large as 15. Beyond that, connections begin to break down. So you say, well, then why have a big church like this? Ah, thanks for asking that. Because the truth is, you know, I, there are people that come and they'll just say, oh, man, this is way too big. I'm out of here. And because it makes them a little uncomfortable or they just think this is all it is. It's not. Can I make this perfectly clear, okay? I, I mean, this is getting recorded, but I'm gonna say this, and you can listen to it over and over again. Folks, this is a celebration. And sometimes you have to go to the big house to celebrate something big. You need to feel like you belong to something big to give you that kind of courage. You know, when you walk out into that field and you hear all those, you hear the crowd, I mean, that's just like, whoa, it fills my soul up. To be a part of something big makes us all realize, you know what, we're not alone. In the fight that we're all in, when we leave here, we realize, you know, I gotta go back to my life. I still gotta go to work. I still gotta say yes, I still gotta say no. I still gotta obey, I still gotta face the challenges. But you know what, when you know you're not the only one doing that, that brings a lot of courage. That brings a lot of inner strength. That makes you feel like I've got, somebody's got my back. And that's important. And so don't misunderstand. Now, if you say, well, I need something small. I need that intimate. Look at the back tables. There they are. There's your opportunity with leaders and other Christians all waiting for you to get involved so that you can have that small. You can have a small within the big. And you know what? Wow, that's in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? House to house, and they met in the temple too because they needed that sense of connection. They needed that sense of being big. And so don't despise the day of small beginnings, but don't don't also despise that which God grows and becomes wonderfully healthy, because healthy things grow. They do. Think of an incubator or even a greenhouse. Or that's the place that these small groups, they're an incubator for you. They're a place where you can grow and get stable and strong because you might even be, as I've shared some of these things with you, you realize you're coming to that, that place yourself. So give us a chance to show that there is balance in both. Give us a chance. You know, it does, because every once in a while, some people will tell us to say, yeah, well, we were just looking for something a little smaller. We got it. We got it for you you also need something big you do it does help us all and going back to paul you know what when you only have something small that means you've only got so many pieces in the body and you only got so much you can do but if you've ever been a part of a large church like what we have here or even larger then you know that, man, you expand what the body can do and the experiences that it can have. When we say, let's reach a nation, we got a footprint. Not just a toe print, a footprint. You can. No, that, that's not the goal. It's not the goal. Don't accuse me of that. Don't, don't, don't go there. You don't know my heart. I've shared this with the leaders. You know, I don't sit over here and pine how to make the church. Ba- no, 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 no. My vision here is just to be faithful and do what God has called me to do and to build people. And if you build people and we understand what the Bible says, it will naturally grow. But let's, let's deal with the, some of the things that are, that, are, that are hindering us. And it's gotta start small. You gotta get yourself in that small group. So you're still not convinced? You know, I, I, I'll finish with this story, but let me, this last point. You're still not convinced? Jesus started with a small group of men. And this became a pattern for all of us. Their discipleship was incredibly personal and difficult, but it was life-changing. Did Jesus not change the men that God brought to him? Absolutely. They went on. Most of them ended up being martyrs, took an incredible amount of courage and passion to do that, but they were seeds sown into the ground, changed the world, turned it upside down. As far as Britannia, India, some even think as far as away as China. Amazing. God can start with something small. So we need vision, folks, to be a part of the body. We need values. We need to know what we believe so that passion can flow. And that not just be a passion that is directed in so many different directions. But red, find our place and direct that passion. And then you got all these lasers doing what it's called to do. And we create one huge beam that can be effective. Not just scattered but focused. See, it is small groups. And in small groups, we can connect with other believers to grow in our relationships together. This is the seed bed. This is the place where something small can become something big. This is where the little areas and your little dreams inside your heart can begin to grow. And you, you can bounce it off others and they can help you, define you. Okay? So here in just a moment, what we're going to do, I'm going to pray for us. And then the children, they've got some special things. And Jamie, you're going to come up here in just a second. He's going to explain all this. But I just want you to know, folks, you've got to make a commitment here. You've got to jump in. We can't force you. We're not going to force you. We're not going to twist any arms. But Jamie's going to come up here and he's going to share some ideas with you, some creative things that you can do in order to make this happen.